Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil in sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. May this service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This place of scripture uh, refers to the, or is part of the component of our calling. So we need to cast off of ourselves our old man, then we need to renew our mind, and after that we need to by the means of our renewed mind, we need to clothe ourselves into our new person. Clothing ourselves into the new person brings us to perfection, will make us perfect like, as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Allow us, like the Heavenly Father, to shine His Son upon the righteous and unrighteous as God does. We need to shine our Son as God shines His Son. The righteous He blesses, He caresses with the rays of his light and they find healing in the rays of his light the wicked or the unrighteous they perish in these rays because these are rays of death for them for certain people it's rays of light uh, and life and for the other it's death we need to be a fragrant uh, fragrance to one and a foul odor to the other and so this fragrance of Christ is, this is what this is linked to. We become a fragrance of Christ when we cast off of ourselves our old person. We die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires. We have renewed our mind, and then we, in the resurrection of Christ, using the fruits of the resurrection of Christ, begin to behave as 
the Heavenly Father behaves, pouring out His rains upon the just, timely and in measure, and upon the unjust, either pouring them not in measure, it floods them and destroys them. And so to be perfect, as we've noted, is a great commandment, which is the inheritance of saints of all times. And the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God, but instead elect for themselves democratically a person, have no part and have never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. They won't be able to understand this commandment. They will look at it as a tolerant way of God toward men, that God loves everyone. He loves the whole world. He died for the whole world. He loves the righteous and unrighteous the same. He does not see the difference. He loves us and accepts us as we are, and that's not the case. He does not accept us as we are. He sees us through Jesus Christ, righteous and perfect as He is and not as we are. This is a very important thing to understand. And so as it relates to fulfilling this commandment or this commanding order to be vigilant over the Word of God within our heart, as God is vigilant over His spoken Word within the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are called to collaborate with within our heart? Because within our heart, we have the righteousness of God. We've accepted justification in the seed and have grown into fruits of, into fruits of righteousness. And with this fruit of righteousness, we clothe ourselves, we collaborate with God's righteousness. And in part, we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart, received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant, where we, in the death of the Lord Jesus, died by the law for the law, so that in the new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected for us, so that in this way we can obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant, symbolizing the resurrection of Christ, so that we can provide God with the proper foundation he needs to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave this promise to Abraham or to his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 so the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. God's faith is information that comes from the preached word. Faith is from hearing. Faith is not what we feel. Faith is what we know. And this knowledge comes by listening to the word of God and not listening to people that we have elected democratically, but those that we have, whom God has placed and that we have acknowledged the apostles of Christ. Don't think that there are no apostles of Christ today, and I'm not the only one. There, They are existing. They are today, on earth today. People don't acknowledge them. They create their own institutions. They call someone a theologian or whatever, whatever they, manner in which they elect or choose these people. The country we came from, they 
would choose their Christian leaders democratically. The same thing happens here. And so what they do is they'll gather, there's a group of people that give a, a, a bigger tithe than others, a bigger amount, and these are the ones that choose the leader. They behave as uh, the democratic uh, party that's in, in the country. They gather these businessmen and they call one preacher another they pay him a large sum of money so that they come and that he preach for a couple of days one uh, uh, one person second person third person and so they then vote amongst one another which one they cho would like to choose or elect and when one wins uh, that person is called back uh, and they to whom they previously gave 10,000 or more dollars uh, for every sermon they give, they give large sums of money and they give him the position. And so they then agreed to a certain amount of money and so they ask him, what are you getting now? Well, 100,000, for example. And so every month, of course, I need a vacation and, uh, and they also then travel around the world and other pl places and this is all for the cost of the church. Uh, and they pay for every sermon and they pay for everything that they have uh, all apart from all these other things and so he'll say I get a hundred thousand well we'll offer you hundred and twenty thousand uh, and so he goes to his local church and tell him well they're offering me a hundred and twenty thousand and so they'll say, well, we'll offer you that too. We'll stay with us. And so he negotiates, uh, obviously, what, uh, who will give him more. And so this one will then offer him 140000 And so he'll then come back to them and say, well, they're now offering me 140. And if they say they can't do it, then he, he will move over to these uh, people and they will elect someone else. Uh, again, not a godly principle. Uh, they choose for themselves and this person absolutely will uh, possess the status of a doctorate in, the in theology as, uh, as, as that's the title they'll give them. And so I think you, you're understanding the reason of the calamity of the uh, church in uh, it is by the church a country is blessed if the church is is behaving wrongfully uh, the church is responsible for the country it's in this country is in calamity and the fact that the America has fallen to this democratic chaos and the prosperous uh, cities have become ghetto where it's hard to go there <clears throat> this is the fault of this kind of uh, behavior when they elect a person and they tell him, my dear friend, you don't need to preach about this or this, never talk about the fact that fornication or alcohol drinking is sin. People have enough problems as it is. Just say we're all saved, that God is for us, that we all will just be raptured. One of these pastors told me, you probably know this pastor, I won't say his name, 
uh, he told me, you're a blessed person, your hands are untied, you can say whatever you want, but I can't do that, I can't tell me, tell the people everything God opens to me, I only tell them what I'm allowed, otherwise I will violate my contract, I will lose everything and actually will owe. And so that's the unfortunate thing. Why do you think in Ukraine there's a war going on? Because this is a result of the church. It's not the Benderevs, as so they call them, or the fascists that are there. This is the church of, uh, that is guilty, that has drawn all of these uh, Christian people by busloads to Maidan and was... Uh, literally doing things and, and protesting there uh, and if you don't uh, join in with these charismatic groups they literally would exclude you from their from their uh, midst and so because of the everything depends on the church and so let us uh, pray for our leaders that God give them wisdom and give them fear to, so they destroy these democratic values that have destroyed the family, have made it into nothing, that, that, that they're trying to remove the middle class. I believe that if we will pray and churches like us will pray, then America will still experience God's mercy and we will again see uh, these things, good things happen. It depends on us what will happen and not the world it's not the Republicans or Democrats that will make a difference but the church is what makes a difference how you behave be with God and so the question by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God is ruling within our heart which then identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy of the Lord to examine your heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God, as it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. To be a peacemaker, it is necessary to possess the state of peace. A person who has the state of peace, of godly peace in his heart, he will continuously uh, work to pr uh, promote peace in his surroundings. And if he finds out then in his midst there are two sisters or two brothers that are in conflict with one another he will ask God for wisdom and God will give him wisdom how to reconcile them how to bring them to peace with one another I told you once I uh, I found out two people were in conflict and for a couple of years they weren't even communicating with one another they used to be friends I called one of them to myself it, uh, and I gave them uh, and I talked to the one and the other and I told one of them do you know I spoke with the other and they said this about you and uh, this person was surprised to hear that this other individual he was in conflict with would say something positive about him uh, and speaking with the other party I asked them what do you think of this brother well they're like this like this like this but this quality in them, is it a good quality that's in them? Do you agree that it's a good thing in this person? And they'll say, well, yeah, I acknowledge 
they they each had acknowledged within one another their good things. Uh, some time had passed. This brother comes to me and says, Pastor, you know what has happened? We we came back together. We're in peace with one another. We reconciled, and we don't even remember what we were in conflict about. Why? Because one word, one good word, it 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 came it got to them uh, that that the other was speaking positively, and that person began thinking, and the other, and so one approached the other, and they reconciled, and so be peacemakers. It's not possible to perform peace if inside it's not there between you and God. Six signs by which you need to judge of your belonging to, to the sons of peace have already been subjects that we've studied and we stopped to study the seventh of, of, the, of the component. Seventh sign, uh, the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you all, you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We are called in one body because the peace of God rules in the body of Christ. It works in the body of Christ. It does not work out of the boundaries of the church, out of the boundaries of our fellowship. There's a very different understanding of peace there. They understand that peace is that there's no war. That's the piece they're referring to. And if there's no war, then they hate one another. But when war comes, they just begin to killing one another. Well, one, one says, I live in the same area as you. I'm a Ukrainian. And so uh, if they disagree on something, either they're, you're Russian or Ukrainian or you can't... Uh, uh, pronounce certain words or whatever just ridiculous things and they hurt and kill each other for this hatred uh, what I'm trying to say is this hatred existed uh, in them pr- way before this this uh, this came about and so now they've given everyone guns released all of the crimes uh, criminals that were in the area and, and uh, the church of, unfortunately is guilty of this and they still don't see this they're blinded to that the bond of perfection nothing in this world is perfect that's what many will state as you know philosophers as psychologists and others they will state there's nothing perfect in the world everything is uh, relative there is one perfection though is the love of God agape into which we are to clothe ourselves into brotherly love so that we can demonstrate in brotherly love uh, the love of God our life will then be godly. Brotherly love comes from godliness. And that's what we're talking about here. Because the love of God agape, presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of these seven unchanging virtues or components by the priest word, which are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God, virtue, knowledge, self-control. And so when you, when we, during the time of tithes, I like uh, talking about uh, knowledge and this knowledge comes from God's virtue. The knowledge is the mind of Christ. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. We in a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identified the goodness of God within our heart. God possesses all of these qualities in Him that together 
identify within our heart the goodness of God. And we have studied five and have been studying the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the unearthly power of brotherly love that comes from godliness. Having this great and noble component, demonstrating brotherly love in our faith, moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. We know, I always like to note this, where God's faith, uh, I like to note this because it's God's God's faith that's stating uh, confidently we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. Here it's talking about brothers that are brothers in Jesus Christ. You can say, well, why doesn't it say we love the sisters? Because here, when it's saying brothers, it implies sisters and children and youth and whomever. This this brothers is not referring to a gender. Everyone's called a brother in, the, in this case. And why? Because a brother is one who is a person, that woman or man, who confesses the faith of their heart. Confessing of faith is the seed. When you confess this is the seed, you fulfill the male function. When a person does not fulfill this function, he is not able to confess God's faith that is not in his heart. He is not a part of these brothers because these brothers, these are men and women, children, uh, seniors, the poor, rich, it makes no difference. Uh, nationality, color of skin, social status, whatever it may be. And so every holy person of God needs to have two functions. The function that is uh, the female function, the ability to receive the seed, the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of the Word of God. And wisdom that is shown then in the male function is the ability to confess and male men and women both do this those of course that have God's faith this is why sometimes they would ask me the question I was even a young person and even a teenager I didn't fully understand this and many sisters would say well the Bible is not for us the sisters would say it's all for brothers only God doesn't see us there we need to humble ourselves we are nothing this is not for us, we are nothing, whatever they tell us, the husbands, the brothers, that's what we will do. And it's they're, they're so unfortunate in this case because they are within the same category of a brother if they have faith in their heart that they've received by the preached word and confess that word. Relevant to this as with the previous components of the virtue of God and His unique for us us goodness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven characteristics of virtue it was necessary for us to answer four classical questions what do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith what purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill which we are called to demonstrate in our faith what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith which comes from our godliness in a specific format, we already looked at the at these three first questions and have been studying the fourth. 
by what sign do we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love that comes from our godliness. We already studied the first five signs by which we can judge that we are demonstrating this power of brotherly love in our faith and stop to study the sixth sign, the unique sign that we have been held up for a little bit of time and we will continue until the Holy Spirit inspires us or uh, encourages us to continue or go go on to the next. Sixth sign by which we need to examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the love of God demonstrated by us in brotherly love is the ability to be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. You always need to remember and understand uh, your desires before God. Your desires need to be God's desires. If your desires are not God's desires, then we are the most unfortunate of people on earth and we are going to perish thinking we're going to heaven. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I will remind us that your gentleness be known to all men. The uh, Having it be known to all men is when you are a light. And so let your good work be known to all men or your light. May your light so shine before men so they see me your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the same thing. Only when you have this quality of gentleness in yourself then are you able to be anxious for nothing? Why be anxious for nothing? Because you possess gentleness. You don't need to be anxious for nothing. You are light of the world. You don't need to be anxious for nothing. You, What you need for a life of godliness, you, you, you have everything that you need. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because for God to be able to fulfill His will through us upon planet Earth, we need in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we need to let these desires be known. God can't fulfill His will upon planet Earth if He can't find for Himself a person in His likeness that would give Him legitimate grounds upon which to fulfill that will. And so we need to thank Him because upon uh, the count of every one of us in Jesus Christ, all of the promises of God are there. And so for these promises to be able to work, we need to, with thanksgiving, open the open them up and state them. Thank you, Lord, for this promise. It is in my heart. You can easily read it anytime you, would, you desire, Lord. It is written there clearly. And so uh, show your goodness and your favor. Uh, fulfill this promise in me and so then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus specifically such a a state of heart will keep us in Christ Jesus and our minds in Christ Jesus for as the thoughts of a person are is how he is and when we fall into Jesus Christ the birds no longer will be flying over our head not even weaving their nest, but will these evil thoughts will stop flying above our head. And the Lord will not need to say anymore, how much longer will you allow these evil thoughts to nest on your head? 
because all the thoughts that fly over our head and weaving nests on our head uh, the, th the only thoughts that need to be there are the Lord's words and as the symbolic uh, symbolically it shows us the tree that grew, grew and then the birds were nesting in its branches we've noted that in the given place of scripture the character of the fruit of the spirit and the quality of gentleness by the means of which we are called to discipline our tongue by the truth that is concealed in our heart is contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveals itself in disobedience to the truth or not believing of the truth. The ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the anxieties of a man who is not able to discipline the, the desires of his flesh. It's talking about people that are Christian in the church. It's not talking about the world. And for the most part, these people, millions of Christians, they are in fear. They cry, saying, Lord, what do I do? I repent today, and within an hour, I fall into the very same sin. I confess, and I fall into the same sin again. Lord, deliver me. But saying, Lord, deliver me, and the Lord isn't delivering this person, and why? Because he delivers by the truth in the heart, by a gentle tongue, when we grow this wholesome tongue, this gentle tongue, this tree of life that bears fruit, and we will confess the, uh, the faith of our heart, God will take these confessions and will deliver us when we count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, and when we proclaim the not-existent stronghold of incorruption in our body as existent. That is when, with these words, God will take these words and will fix the situation and deliver us from the power of the old man, uh, power of lusts and passions in us. As it is written, written, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit, Proverbs 15.4. Perverseness in it breaks the spirit. If we don't uh, discipline our tongue with the truth that is in our heart, it will kill us. First, it will kill our spirit, our new person. And the conscience will stop uh, then judging us also. If you drink even in small amounts, if you take drugs in small amounts, if you deceive, if you pass on bad information, if you whine and complain, if you don't like the order in the church, if you think that you're inspectors and you can inspect the person whom God has placed, then this speaks of the fact that you are either, uh, your spirit either is completely dead or it's dimming if you don't uh, fix it quickly because your conscience is not judging you anymore. You need to watch yourself. If you're committing a sin and your conscience is not judging you, then this means that God or has already left you. And the time will come where I will remove its lampstand from its place. If you've committed a sin and your conscience is judging you, thank God for that. Because you're alive, because your conscience is still judging you, you can, because of this, come and repent and God will not judge you because the conscience already judged you in this case. And you, because of your conscience, you leave your sin, you come and repent. First, anxiety leading to the breaking of the born from God spirit of man are bonds where a person is bound with various forms of phobias of non-existent fear. 
This is why they run from one state to another state, from one country to another country, because they have not grown the fruit of righteousness in their heart and gentleness with which they are called to discipline their mouth, by which we would be able to judge that we demonstrate the power of brotherly love in our faith. Second, anxiety that a person is bound by is a result of his ignorance, which is identical to something occult. Something occult is when the devil takes control but out from outside of you. He can't control you inside. Your new person is inside who is not yet killed. And so he does possess from outside something uh, identical to something occurred. Uh, and so only a person of God can determine whether this is occultness or this is a p- possession. In the charismatic churches, they see immediately within every person the the uh, spirit of fornication. And we need to uh, drive it out, is what they say. They don't care whether you are actually committing these sins or not. Uh, they say, brother and sister, let us all deny this. Let us all become free of this. And let's uh, cast it off of ourselves by waving of our hands. And so... Uh, they say and do such things and grandmothers grandfathers that don't even know the meaning of some of these words or they say spit and a person spits and they say oh okay now you you're free from the spirit of fornication and so this kind of uh, uh, foolishness that takes place uh, in these charismatic, so-called charismatic uh, services. Char- uh, charisma is a practicing of spiritual gifts, and they're not uh, legitimately, obviously, charismatics. And so we need to understand that <clears throat> when it's talking about charisma, it's not uh, apostles write about this, and they have this charisma, they have these gifts, they turn to the people that every person uh, have and have the right, according to scripture, to uh, desire the spiritual gifts and to prophesy. But you say, well, how do we uh, desire or the spiritual gifts? This, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the master of them is the Holy Spirit. We can't control or direct them as, as we will heal whomever we want or do whatever we want what do you need to do you need to cleanse your vessel so that it be in honor and that the Holy Spirit can use it and that's it that's it how do you desire the the spiritual gifts you need to cleanse your vessel so that it be in honor as we talked about in the previous service so that we not be vessels that in the large house on earth symbolizing the church on earth There are vessels that are expensive, uh, silver and gold, and there are also those that are for lower purposes, clay and wood, and these are typically, or were typically used to uh, uh, satisfy the needs uh, during the nighttime uh, bathroom needs that that a person had. Uh, And so the scriptures say, be a vessel of honor so that the king can drink from you his wine, his joy, so that you be a joy for the Lord. And we note that 
on earth there are vessels of honor and vessels of uh, for lower purposes of clay and wood but on, in heaven obviously there will be vessels of honor only there will not be vessels uh, that pass on deception about one another and speak evil of one another third such anxiety I- indicates bad soil in the in the human heart which he refuses to clean from dead works so he can receive and grow within the good soil of his heart the fruit of gentleness in the form of the tree of life this clearly can be seen when we compare the meaning that is contained in these two words which are contrary to one another contrary in character and in their origin preoccupation or cares that are demonstrated in anxiety is disobedience uh, of the preached word this is when we control this word when we inspect it when we agree and disagree with what we decide I don't understand this well you may not understand things but doesn't it doesn't mean you always will I also personally don't understand everything but the things I don't understand they're upon my golden table of showbreads I don't throw them out I I say the Lord lives and in time I will understand them this is unbelief disobeying the faith of God an undisciplined tongue by the bonds of gentleness something occult a hard heart in net of the evil one that a person has caught himself into and the path to death gentleness that reveals itself in a disciplined tongue is the tree of life that is grown in the soil of a good heart this is obedience of our faith to God's faith this is wisdom and strength firmness and power of our spirit born from God trust trust upon God and upon uh, his word and mercy and compassion for our neighbor the nets of the kingdom we have caught ourselves into when we confess the faith of God that is in our heart we catch ourselves into these snares or these nets uh, you're caught by the words of your mouth and when we catch ourselves by with the words of our mouth we become the snare or, or the net of the kingdom of, of heaven we become a light of the world and our gentleness becomes known to all men anxiety is an expression of rebellion that is demonstrated in disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ which members a person to the category of lawless men who resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the works of the flesh into garments or rebellion of the works of the flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness at the same time the gentleness of the heart which makes itself known in a gentle or meek mouth is an identification of the fruit of the spirit testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of a person a wholesome tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit proverbs 15 4 a component of the fruit of the spirit the quality of gentleness with which a person disciplines his mouth with the truth that is concealed within his heart is testimony that he is clothed into the mantle of a student of Christ which gives him and this is the same mantle Christ is clothed into Jesus is the eternal and continual student of his heavenly father and as he relates to his heavenly father he is a student of his and he says learn from me which gives us the ability to learn from Christ to resist the words that come from our personal flesh from the undisciplined tongue for the benefit of opening our mouth to confess only the truth that is in our heart that is what Jesus said about this come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest 
you see a rebellious person he is not one who is heavy laden, uh, heavy laden or who labors he sees uh, a pa the pastor this way the one he doesn't want to hear but he he sees himself as free he says I am free I have my own mind my own opinion why why am I being forced to understand as someone else in their opinion that's how they see it and I will give you uh, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy easy and my burden is light and so yoke is the will of the Heavenly Father he says look at me how I learn from my Heavenly Father to discipline my tongue with the truth that comes the word that comes from the mouth of the Father how did I learn from the Father I see that the Father disciplines himself with the words that come from his mouth the Heavenly Father makes himself a servant of his own word when it comes out of his mouth he places himself in dependence of that word he he works or functions within the boundaries of this word and that's what I learned from my father Jesus says and you learned from me because my yoke the will of God the words that come out of the mouth of God they, they are good and it is light it is not heavy this is the good uh, favorable uh, servitude a person doesn't want to be a servant but it's talking about a favorable form of servantry where a person is uh, when this title is the greatest title in heaven because this uh, favorable uh, form of servitude is what the Heavenly Father has also for his word when it comes to his word Jesus learns from his father and is the same toward uh, toward this this word or when it comes to this word the disciples do the same thing they discipline discipline themselves with the word that they heard and to examine ourselves on the presence of a gentle heart which makes itself known in a gentle mouth disciplined by our trust in God and upon his word and waiting for the coming salvation of our soul and our body we turn to the to the phrase by which we need to differentiate gentleness from non-discipline and wisdom from foolishness this is our ability to make our requests known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving upon the condition that the essence of this request it is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness which demonstrates itself in the desires of God identified as the will of God this is a form of such praise where we are obeying our faith to the faith of God and today count ourselves dead to sin and living for God proclaiming the non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our physical body as existent and so when you count yourself dead to sin that doesn't mean you're free from sin but you need to count yourself that you're free from sin and behave as if you're free from sin don't look at what you feel and but what you know and begin to proclaim that not existent stronghold of incorruption in your physical body as existent and when you will behave this way then you will allow God to take your words and clothe yourself into your words to deliver you from the power of your old person it is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart that with thanksgiving opens its desire in prayer to fulfill the will of God is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruit of gentleness because we can draw the favor of God upon ourselves only in the instant that we present our body a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which gives God the ability to 
show and confirm for us this salvation. Whoever offers praise glorifies me, and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. Psalm 50:23. It's not possible to offer your praise. Uh, and so it's talking about prayer here. And so whether this be a song, a prayer is a prayer. And sometimes it's in, in the form of a song. David, all of his prayers, he demonstrated them in song. And he he even created a choir so that a choir, the choirs would sing these psalms. And it was accompanied by various uh, musical instruments. And so to be able to offer your praise to God, you need to uh, be yourself an offering. If you are not an offering, you can't bring this offering of praise to God. It's not possible to. You have to be an offering yourself. The altar is our motives. These are our motives that are in accordance to God's will. When we don't demonstrate our will, but His will, when we demonstrate His will and not our own, we have formed ourselves into this altar of God. And upon this altar, we bring uh, praise to God, an offering of praise. We demonstrate God's will. We say, Lord, may your will be on earth as it is in heaven. In the original it said, may your will that on earth the will, your will be just as it is in heaven. Until this decision is made in heaven, you can't uh, have it happen on earth, in other words. And whoever honors me with such praise and, and watches his way to this one, I will show my salvation. And this is because uh, salvation is given to us in the format of a guarantee or, or, or a deposit. It needs to be invested in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can receive it in His, in his resurrection. And He will show His salvation to us in His resurrection or confirm it for us. When it comes to God showing us his favor in his salvation as a response to the offered by a sacrifice of praise means to become for us the guarantor of the salvation of our soul and our body. Therefore, it was necessary for us to remember the criteria that identify the essence and status of legitimate praise in scripture called to be a sign of brotherly love. Also, the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith the conditions that elevate our praise to a status of legitimacy by which we can judge that we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith. We already looked at these first three and have been studying the fourth. The signs uh, by which we can judge that praise that we bring to God is present in the atmosphere of brotherly love which passes us from death to life. We in a specific format already looked at three signs by which we need to identify the essence of a fitting form of praise that is called to be present within the atmosphere of brotherly love and stop to study the fourth sign. I will immediately uh, go to the fourth because our time is running. Fourth sign by which we can determine the essence of a fitting form of praise that comes from our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love will consist in our praise that will be within the boundaries of the sacral word hallelujah, which itself identifies a fitting form of praise to God, or what a fitting form of praise to God is. 
Hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. The righteous is uh, good and merciful. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, tr trusting in the Lord. The heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be aggrieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall be shall perish. Psalm 112, 1 through 10. The word hallelujah is a formula of Israel praising and thanking Yahweh while practicing their service to God. This word, just like the word amen, has been adopted by every other language without, without translation. Specifically by the presence of this formula, either at the beginning or the end of a specific place of scripture, we can identify the essence of the fitting form of praise that exists in the said place of scripture. In the given situation, the word hallelujah that begins this place of scripture consists of ten components which identify the essence of a fitting form of praise to God that comes from our righteous heart with the atmosphere within the atmosphere of brotherly love that moves us from eternal death to eternal life. Considering this, to study in your praise that presence of the fear of the Lord prompting a strong love for the commandments of the Lord uh, by having and studying this in our partaking to the wife that fears the Lord. And so us partaking to the wife that fears the Lord, which is the church of saints where the order of the kingdom of heaven is implemented, resisting churches with a democratic structure. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in her gates. Proverbs 31, 30, 31. According to the given proverb, we conclude that a woman that fears God in such a church, this is such a church who in their teaching about grace preaching, preaches the truth due to which the saints put forth all of their efforts to be able to be clothed into the mantle of the, of the fear of the Lord. And because of this, they will be rewarded by God from the fruits of their hands and their works will praise them at the gates of her place of dwelling. Therefore, so that as the virtuous woman be filled with the fear of the Lord, we have been studying how the scriptures define the virtue of the woman in the fear of the Lord. And to be assured <clears throat> that what praise, that the praise which demonstrates itself in being filled with the fear of the Lord is truly the inheritance of our faith and simultaneously our life's need, we needed to answer four classical questions. We need to determine the wellspring the fear of the Lord flows from or what is the essence of the fear of the Lord. We need to determine what purpose the scripture have for the ability to be filled with the fear of the Lord. We need to identify the price that is required so that we can be filled with the fear of the Lord. And we need to determine the results by which we can judge that we truly are being filled with the fear of the Lord. In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question. What specific price do we need to pay to be filled with the fear of the Lord? So, to have the ability to be filled with the fear of the Lord. First, the fear of the Lord is obtained with a price which we are called to pay for the right to first have our body become the dwelling place of God, and second, become an organic part of the place where God favors to dwell. 
Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6. And so the fear of the Lord will be your treasure when the stability of times comes and the wisdom and knowledge, uh, strength and salvation. This is when the fear of the Lord is in is his treasure. This is one of the prophecies identifying the place where God dwells and where the fear of the Lord is called to become the treasure of our heart. We are not able to be the house of God if we don't pay a price for the right to be an organic member of the body of Christ in the form of the, of the chosen by God remnant. So he came to a certain place, Jacob, and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dr dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, the north and south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In your seed, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. This belongs to all of us. He will not leave us until what he has spoken about us will, will come to pass. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? Sometimes people don't comprehend fully where they are. And they allow themselves, their undisciplined tongue, to speak things they shouldn't. And Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called that name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city uh, had been loose previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you have given me, I will surely give you a tenth uh, of it. Genesis 28, 11 through 22. Bethel, the house of God, but previously, the name of the city was Luz, which means an almond tree, which symbolizes the quality of God, where he is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body so that it be soon fulfilled. That is what the previous name of the house of God means. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well. For I am ready to perform my word. Jeremiah 1, 11, 12. And so in Hebrew, this word is sheket. 
the word to be vigilant. When I was in Israel, I heard this word. I, I, I was there, and my wife was there, and she was saying, Shaket, Shaket. And so she was saying, be vigilant or be careful, keep watch. They used this word. And the Lord said, you see, well, I'm vigilant over my word. And so in the house of God, you need to be vigilant. According to the vision of Jacob, first, the house of God on earth is the place where God dwells or the house of God. Second, the house of God on earth are the gates that lead to heaven into the presence of God himself. It's talking about the house of uh, church of God that is in accordance to uh, the good wife. The house of God on earth is the ladder of development to perfection in knowing God. The house of God on earth is a place of peace and rest where you replenish your strength. The house of God on earth is a place of refuge from Esau in the form of our old or sinful nature. Sixth, the house of God on earth is the place of the revelation of our purpose. Seventh, the house of God on earth is the place where God vows to help us fulfill our calling. And eighth, the house of God on earth is a place where we are called to proclaim our vows before God. So that God would be able to fulfill that good that he had spoken regarding Jacob and so that the fear of the Lord that is upon this place would become the treasure of Jacob. It was necessary to fulfill the vow that Jacob gave God. God will fulfill everything for Jacob if Jacob will fulfill what he has promised. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I can, that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my my God, and this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house, and of all that I that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. Genesis 20, 20-22. According to the given vow, the price for possessing the fear of the Lord consisted in two things. First, Jacob vowed that the stone that he had used to lay his head will be for him the house of God, and second, from all his earnings that will come to him from the labor of his hands, he will separate a tenth part to God. Honoring the vow, consisting of separating to God all tithes of your house, made Jacob the house of God and worshiper of God and separated him from the surrounding him lawlessness. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness, and what cord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Second, the fear of the Lord is called to be obtained by the price consisting of learning to to hear the word of God spoken by the person whom God has made his lips. The Lord said to Moses, Gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on earth, and that they may teach their children. 
Deuteronomy 4.10, the price that we are called to pay for listening to the word of God is the price for learning, which consists in taking heed how you hear so that you can immediately fulfill what you hear. Therefore, take heed how you hear, for whoever has to him what more will be given, and whoever does not have <clears throat> this inclined ear, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Luke 8, 18. To have an inclined ear to listen to the preached word means to put your prince in the form of your renewed mind in dependence from your priest who is your spirit. <clears throat> also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, this, the king, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the ones before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted up above his brethren that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom he and his children in the midst of of Israel Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20. Third, the fear of the Lord is obtained by the price which we are called to pay to make a covenant with God. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave him, gave them to him that he might fear me, so he feared me and was reverent before my name. Malachi 2, 5. Today we are these Levites. And so the price that we are called to pay to make a covenant with God to obtain the treasure of the fear of the Lord is demonstrated in our dedication to reject our own interests for the benefit of the interests of God. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads and we will pray and we will thank God for the word that we were able to receive today so that we can come to the altar before we begin the communion, taking part in the body, the bread, and the cup. We can confess our sins. We can resist our old man. And may the Lord bless us. We wait for you here at the altar.
I'm going to pray your prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He's not against you. He loves you. He is compassionate toward you. And together with you, He is experiencing this pain because of the sin that has harmed you. He has taken the sin upon Himself, and He has experienced this pain. He is with you. He is for you. And your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt, that you have forgiven those who have offended you, and that you're ready to ask for forgiveness if there's anyone you offended. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my pain. You see my wounds that are inflicted by sin, that I hate. I pray, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me by your blood. I love your words. I love you. I hate sin. May it be bound within my body. May I be delivered from the old man. I love you. And I accept, according to your word, my justification. And according to your word, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your will, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains, everlasting hills be on you and on your children and be fulfilled, and the nation shall say, Amen.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 and lower. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. For let a man examine himself and let him eat and drink uh, eat the bread and drink of the cup. Examine himself, it says, not his neighbor, and especially not children. But he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. You may be seated. According to scripture, if you want to participate in communion, you need to discern the Lord's body. The body of the Lord is the Church of Jesus Christ. To discern the Lord's body, to when we discern the Lord's body, the body of Jesus Christ, the Lord gives us knowledge. Uh, who we of who we are to him what he's done for us and who we are to him and what role we need to fulfill in the body of Christ and so those people who are not maybe that are uh, if you're not under uh, an exception or warning in an, of any kind you can participate this uh, communion is to heal us from not just spiritual illnesses but physical illnesses. This is the best medicine from depression and all forms of fear and also weaknesses. And so I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your broken body that in the form of this bread will be passing by your people and when we will take of it and eat of it, may your favor be upon us and may your healing power come and do its work in our body, its function within our body. We thank you for this opportunity and privilege. We worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. The road that is approached, please stand. Each one will break his own bread, as I have broken mine. He broke it and said, take, eat so that they also break their bread. 
breaking of the bread speaks of our humility before God. During the time of communion is when Jesus made himself known after his resurrection. Same thing here, when we humble ourselves under the strong arm of God and we will fulfill God's will, his word, God will reveal himself to you and this revelation will be in healing and the in deliverance from sin and in the needs that we have this revelation will satisfy our need it satisfied at the time the need of the disciples they only had one need they thought he died and they had one need to see him resurrected today we know that he has resurrected and if he resurrected then he has taken upon himself our illnesses and weaknesses and so in Jesus Christ we are already healthy and we can thank God that we are healthy in Jesus Christ. Thank, Lord, thank you that you've delivered me from this illness because you've placed me into Jesus Christ who took upon himself my sins and my illnesses. <clears throat> and it, it, regardless of when this actually takes place or happens, this is God's will, we've already accepted it, and the Lord experiences a great satisfaction, a joy, when he sees his faith in us and his faith is proclaiming the not existent as existent and so when we will understand this and will say it and will wait wait with perseverance with patience the fulfillment of his promises then god will grow our faith and grow us into his image for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes in this celebratory silence which is a feast for the Lord he he sees this as a feast he rejoices he does not want us to sorrow during this time can you sorrow when the price is paid and when all of heaven and all the angels rejoice that is why the priests of the Old Testament taught the people that during the time of the Passover they rejoice and not cry. The tears of joy can be there, but not tears of sorrow or sadness. Jesus said, you don't need to cry about me, cry about yourself and your children, but rejoice that you are already delivered from shame of sin and death. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes when we proclaim the death of the Lord we in this way state that the old man has died in the death of the Lord Jesus that sin no longer has control over us 
that illness no longer has power over us, that poverty has no power over us, that any form of fear that today are literally shaking the world have no power over us because Jesus Christ died, but he also resurrected. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us stand before the cup of the covenant. And we will pray and we will bless the Heavenly Father for the fact that he gave his son for us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new new cup of the covenant that is passed on, that is poured out for the forgiveness of sin. It will be passing by your people and we will be drinking of it. May your healing come into our bodies and may all illness and weakness be cursed in our bodies. We thank you for fulfilling your word and we worship before the cup of this covenant. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. That row that is approached, please stand just as you assisted one another in taking of the bread. Please assist also in the taking of the cup. The cup is Jesus Christ, one for all generations and all times, Jesus who was slain for us. First, often, as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. One of the psalms that was <clears throat> written by a king and a pre and a prophet, David, that was ne- that was required to be sung during the Passover feast. Psalm twenty. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. You see, help can come from the sanctuary and only from Zion, from the church of saints. That is in accordance to the good wife. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Grant according to our heart's desire. The heart's desire is the will of God. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save Lord, may the King answer us when we call. Save Lord, my, may the King answer us. May he save our King, because 
because of him we are able to clothe ourselves into righteousness. If there's anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, please stand. All of us together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.